Hey everyone, it's Kevin O'Connor. AKA Kevin O'Bomber. AKA Kevin O'Concert. Kevin! Wait a minute, you're not Chris Vernon. No, Kevin. Sadly, I'm not as cherubic or as raspy as Verno, but it is I, J. Kyle Mann. And folks, basketball has been and continues to be so very good. That's exactly why Kyle and I are hosting a brand new basketball show on a brand new podcast feed, The Ringer's NBA Draft Show. We're going to have you covered every week as we go in-depth and deep dive in hopes of answering an ever-important question in the NBA. Who's got next? Whether it's an international phenom like Victor Wimbanyama, or the G League Scoot Henderson, or stars from Overtime Elite like Amen Thompson, as well as a full-blown swarm of talented prospects from the promising 2023 NBA draft class. For sure, Kyle. And we're also going to get into players from the college ranks because this is a loaded class for us to discuss prospects rising and falling. And we're going to revisit and redraft recent draft classes and get into how the league's evolution could help inform what's valuable in a prospect of the future. This is a podcast for a fan of every team, whether you're losing and have high draft lottery odds or you're looking for sleepers later in the draft. We're going to be covering everything in the months to come, so please make sure you follow and subscribe to the Ringer NBA Draft Show. And hit us with those five-star ratings. It's The Mismatch, presented by FanDuel. The road to the NBA Finals starts now, and FanDuel is the place to get in on the action. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Quick Bets, which are back and better than ever for the NBA playoffs on FanDuel. Find what you're looking for faster and easier with more props right at your fingertips. You can check out live bets like three-minute markets and exclusive live bets like quarter player props, player assist combos, and more. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus and present in select states or 18 plus in D.C. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com. Today's episode of The Mismatch is brought to you by USAA Insurance. Life is full of tough decisions, and thanks to USAA Auto Insurance, picking your auto coverage isn't one of them. Make the switch to USAA Auto Insurance and find out how you could save. Get a quote today. Restrictions apply. Welcome to The Mismatch. I'm Chris Vernon, and joining me as he does every Friday from TheRinger.com is Kevin O'Connor, a.k.a. Kevin O'Bomber, Kevin O'Concert, Kevin O'Climber, Kevin O'Candyland, Kevin O'Courtside, Kevin O'Commentator, Kevin Berto! How are you doing this Friday morning? I'm doing well. Now, in the interest of full disclosure, we recorded a podcast late Thursday night, but not late enough, because as of the time of recording, the Brooklyn Nets had announced they were suspending Kyrie Irving for a minimum of five games and that he, uh, there were going to be different requests um, that they had made that he was going to have to meet and just kind of left it open-ended and said he was unfit to represent their franchise. And then by last evening, Kyrie Irving sent out a big apology. Now, again, in the interest of full disclosure, when we recorded, you and I both had a feeling like, man, 
Who knows if he ever plays for the Brooklyn Nets again? Who knows what this means for his NBA career? Like, if you're really going to dig your heels in on this, and it seemed as if, given his media availability yesterday, that that was the case, and then he knew Brooklyn was not going to be happy with what he said in said media availability. So it looked like, hey, this guy is very prideful. This guy's going to dig his heels in, and he's really going to die on this hill. And the idea that he would apologize and show contrition at that point seemed a little far-fetched. So in the original recording of this pod, we kind of opined like, man, what happens to this guy? Like, really? You're just going to throw it all away because you won't say you're not anti-Semitic? I mean, it was as simple as that. Um, For a quick rundown, for those unaware, Kyrie posted a documentary which any reasonable person would take as a recommendation. Upon seeing said documentary, there's people that are like, whoa, 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 whoa. This is messed up. And downright anti-Semitic. And promoting that kind of thing's not okay. Uses fake, fake Hitler quotes, suggests the Holocaust wasn't real. And then he was given all manner of opportunity to say, you know, and he did at the beginning say, I don't agree with everything in there. But I mean, he was asked very pointedly yesterday, do you agree with these anti-Semitic messages that are sent in this documentary? And instead of just saying, no, I don't agree with that. Instead, he, he decided to battle about this and which he addressed in his message saying, you know, I should have, should have focused on the healing process of my Jewish brothers and sisters. You know, I reacted, you know, out of emotion because I was labeled anti-Semitic. Right. And the Anti-Defamation League said, we don't want your 500 grand when you're not even willing to say you're not anti-Semitic. Um, you had the Brooklyn Nets suspend him. And so I'm well aware that there's going to be a cynical side to this that very well may be so that says it took him having a realization or someone explaining to him the realization that well, you could really throw everything away over this. So if that's what you're willing to do, like it might be like your career, you, you think they're already suspending you. You don't know if any other team is going to want to put up with this. So like, You're possibly throwing away a career. You're throwing away, like, your endorsements. You know, Nike's not going to want anything to do with you. Nobody's going to want anything to do with you. We saw what just happened with Kanye. Yeah, nobody's going to want anything to do with you. And so is it worth this? Like, this ain't the vaccine, bro. And that might have been the worst thing that ever happened. Yeah, it's not not, not the flat earth. Like, the, but the way the whole vaccine thing played out, you know he's got his chest out, like, See? Told you. Like that told type you. of thing. Yeah. Told you. Yeah, what'd they tell you? Everything they told you. You know? That didn't play out the same way you thought it was, right? Keep that third eye open. And like so that's kind of maybe emboldens the guy, you know, to feel like he was a martyr in that situation. But the truth is, this was this is very easy to get around. Like I watched the documentary, and now after talking to people because I'm constantly trying to figure things out 
including my heritage and everything else, I understand that that's it, it, not only is it not true, and there's a bunch of things that aren't true, I understand how intensely hurtful that is. And, you know, I, do, I don't think he's some evil guy. I think he's lost, you know, and he's constantly searching. He said it in his post. He said, I'm no different than any other human being. I am a seeker of truth and knowledge, and I know who I am. Well, hold on. He is different than everybody else. (laughs) You know, as we, as our buddy Raheem Palmer chronicled, you know, (laughs) we're we're six years removed from uh, a yacht with all white girls to being a vegan, being a Muslim, being a devout Christian, being, I mean, He's he's constantly searching for something, right? And in that search, I mean, not understanding that this was this was not something that was just going to be, hey, I'm a free thinker and this is okay. Like you can't. And, and I get, and I see. There's a lot of people that like are defending him, and I would just say. Come on, man. Like, I'm not, I think throwing it all into the same basket of censorship or not being able to have an opinion on anything or free thought, like all that stuff, sometimes that's getting super bastardized. Because the truth is, we have to be accountable for what we're putting out there. You know, if if you take a picture, if, if Joe Harris takes an Instagram picture and there's a massive Confederate flag in his living room, you know, somebody's going to ask him, like, yo, man, what? And if he says, like, yeah, I, you know, I'm I'm seeking my my own truth, and they're going to be like, well, hold on, do you agree with that? Like, you think, <laughs> you understand that this is very bothersome towards people? And he's like, oh, well, sorry if it bothers you, but I'm, you know, I'm, I'm not a hateful person. I love everyone. I didn't do anything wrong. And then people are like, well, hold on. <laughs> but, like, there's a massive Confederate flag in your living room. Like, we've got to assume that you agree with, like, and, like, are you racist? And then he's like, I love everyone. I don't think that anything's right. People would go bananas, bananas. Like, and to act like that's not the case, like, there, whether you have a problem with the way things are now or not, that's the reality. And if you are going to, to 17, 20 million people or whatever, say, hey, check this out, and it's filled with a bunch of anti-Semitic things, or if you recommend some book that's mega hateful or racist or homophobic or whatever the case may be, yes, you're going to have to answer for whether or not, why you're recommending that to people, because the assumption is that you agree with what that says. And if you agree with what that says, then that means you are. And so just instead of just saying like, man, I don't agree with all that. I think it's really interesting. I think the guy makes some good points, but I don't agree with what he's saying about the Holocaust. I don't agree with what he's saying about um, the religion and how it was formed. And there's there's some things in there that I think are truthful that I think are, that made me think about things differently, but I understand how hurtful this thing is. And, you know, I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to promote this to anyone. I'm sorry I did. 
You know, like, I mean, that's if you're a reasonable person, right? So he apologizes this morning. He says, I'm deeply sorry to have caused you pain. And I apologize to all Jewish families and communities. Sean Marks, their general manager, comes out and says uh, the apology was a good first step. But the organization wants him to take some more steps talking with Jewish leaders in the area. And if he does all that, then he could potentially play with the Nets again. Um, And Marks also said the organization has never considered releasing Kyrie Irving. Uh, the other interesting thing that kind of happened this morning was KD at shoot-around saying, I just didn't like anything that went on. I felt like it was all unnecessary. I felt like we could have just kept playing basketball and kept quiet as an organization, and that required him to immediately go to Twitter and clarify his comments saying, uh, I just want to clarify some comments made at shoot-around. I see some people are confused. I don't condone hate speech or anti-Semitism. I'm about spreading love always. Our game unites people, and I want to make sure that's at the forefront. So now KD's roped into it. Granted, he talked, he clarified those comments very quickly. We'll see how this Kyrie thing develops, but well, I'm, 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 still, I'm still not sure this is going to go away. Maybe it will. Maybe, maybe people turn the page now. I don't know. That's his buddy's fault. That's his buddy's fault. It could have gone away. He was given every opportunity to just make it go away. Yeah. And he, and did he didn't. It. And he didn't do it, right? And now it's right? still a thing. It's a, it's a Friday. I mean, maybe by Monday this will be over, but I don't think it will be. I personally, I don't. I don't think it's going away. Because he's still suspended, by the way. Like he, it's, He's not going to be over at least until he returns to the court. And then when he returns to the court, it's going to be a thing again. Like I said, if somebody puts out some racist stuff or whatever, and then they say, hold on now, like that's not me. I did not mean that. I, I did not intend that. I'm not racist. Everybody sees how I act all the time. Everybody sees, wh- and 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 I'm sorry, and that's not what's what. Then people, there are people that are going to be mad at you no matter what, man. Yeah, right. You're full of crap, right? That is really what you believe. But it, it was the digging his heels in that got him in the spot. It, it, he could have made this go away in two seconds. Delete the tweet and say, like, yo, I don't agree with that. Instead, he did the whole dig your heels in. I'm smarter than you. I know the Oxford Dictionary. <laughs> like, just wild. It's like, I don't, I don't think he's, like I told you this a million times, I don't, I don't think he's a bad guy. I don't think he's got some evil heart. I think he's confused, lost, you know, and misled. Yeah, and obviously no one was able to get through to him. You know what I mean? No one has been able to get through to him. And the only thing that got through to him was this realization, like, man, I'm, I I could really lose everything. Like, and I get it. You got a, you got a problem with the media. And maybe sometimes they've been unfair to you and you just can't stand it. And so that's why but this... This is so much bigger than you versus the media or you feeling like you're caving to them. This is the public at large. These are like real people. And you not being willing to just say, I mean, he was just asked like very pointedly a question that would have gotten him completely off the hook. Really? And he didn't do it. So, I mean, it was all self-inflicted, every bit of it. Nobody did this to him. He did it to himself. He was like, 
I don't know how any reasonable person couldn't sit back and say, all you had to do was say, I don't agree with it. That's it. It's gone. Like, man, I shouldn't have posted that documentary. I didn't realize how messed up that was. I'm sorry. I'll think harder about the next time before I post something. I had watched it and I did not realize. Because I would imagine a guy with a, you know, as long as you're not some evil person or anti-Semitic, and I don't, I don't have any reason to believe that he's, you know, like people should be judged on how they how they speak and how they act towards people. Not something they watch. Just because you watch a documentary doesn't mean that he subscribes to all that. But he had the opportunity to say, I don't subscribe to that, right? Like at that point, you unless get to he say, does subscribe to it. Unless right. he does, but the apology is just, you know, because he's trying to save his career. I mean, we don't know. We don't know. know. Ultimately, that's why the Nets are looking for actions, not just words. They want him to meet with Jewish leaders. They want him to do more stuff before they have him return to the team. That's what they want to see is action. Not just money being donated, not just, you know, written apologies. They want to see actionable changes. And I mean, we'll see if we get that in the coming weeks. Who knows? There, there's nothing you can put back. All I know is the story's not over. We'll be talking about this again. We didn't. We didn't. We didn't expect that he was going to apologize. No, we did not. So he, if there's anything, <laughs> he's unpredictable. Not. I mean, that's for sure. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> that's for sure, Chris. He's definitely unpredictable. I mean, the guy could. The, the only thing could, you could predict from Kyrie Irving is chaos. The the guy could meet with the leaders, and then next thing you know, he's Jewish. Like we don't know. He's been every. He's he's been. Like a devout Christian, he has uh, he has gone to the Holy Land. He has been done Ramadan. He has yeah, now it's what well, this one is um, the Black Hebrew Israelites. It's like you don't know. You never know. You never know. And here's me hoping that that was sincere. That sometimes with anybody that the agent for change can be the reality that the consequences are very real and that your pride can ruin everything for you. And it did seem to me, and that was in his explanation, that it was pride that got him in that situation. Too proud to just say, hey, no, I'm not. And I'm sorry. And if anybody thought I was, I'm sorry but that's not who I am. And I got a pretty long track record of how I treat people and the words that I say, saying that that's not who I am. Just because some documentary that I watch believes that doesn't mean I believe that. But instead he went the other route and now here we are, right? Always a distraction. It's just not basketball. And so what do you think? We think happens from here. You say I have you don't no idea. think you think we're still going to be talking about no. the story. I mean, we'll be talking about it again on Tuesday. You think so? Yeah, and then Friday, and then the following Tuesday and Friday. Unfortunately, I don't think it's going away. I don't, Chris. He's still suspended, and there'll be more news reports about things that he does or doesn't do, things that he says, and we're going to continue talking about this until it meets a resolution. Whether it results in the Nets just returning to the floor trying to win games after their horrible start here or whether it results with them 
moving on from Kyrie Irving and a KD trade request? I have no idea. I don't know. All I know is the story's not going away. I wonder who got through to him. I wonder who finally, like, got through to him. Because it's a very valuable individual. Whoever actually did said, like, hey, man, like, you understand what's going on here and that you're going to throw all of it away over this? Over a Amazon documentary that you just watched or I assume you watched? Somebody, somebody got through. And, you know, let's just hope that he really meant what he said. You have to take people at their at their word. You do. You can only judge them from here on out. But the people that are going to just be bad forever, the guy apologized. The guy said what he said. Whether you think it, you can be cynical and just say it's too late, but there's nothing else he can do except for conduct himself in a manner um, going forward that does not portray the values from some goofy Amazon documentary that he watched one time. Here's hoping he finds said inner peace and that that apology was real. And that maybe maybe it can be an agent for change, you know, because I, I just, he's been searching for a long time. And this time he searched for the wrong thing. The NBA season is underway and it's a perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sports book, because right now new customers get a no sweat first bet up to one thousand dollars and plus FanDuel is the only sports book that's giving all customers three months of nba league pass when they make a five dollar bet on the nba on the FanDuel sportsbook app you can combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with same game parlays whether it's with the money line point spreads player props and plus with live betting you'll get updated odds on games that have already started but if you don't want to bet on games, you can always focus on the awards, MVP, futures, rookie of the year, whatever it might be. The FanDuel Sportsbook app has everything on there. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. So download FanDuel today and use promo code MISMATCH to get your no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. Make every moment more this season with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NBA. 21 plus in select states. First online real money wager only. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable free bets that expire in 14 days. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Illinois, and Virginia. Call 1-800-GAMBLE. In Arizona, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. In Connecticut, call 1-888-789-7777. In Indiana, call 1-800-9-WITH-IT. In Kansas, call 1-800-522-4700. In Louisiana, call 1-877-770-STOP. In New York, call 1-877-8-HOPE-NEW-YORK. In Tennessee, call Redline 1-800-889-9789. In Wyoming, call 1-800-522-4700. In West Virginia, visit 1800gambler.net. Okay, let's get to basketball. One quick unfortunate story, which is the James Harden news, and he is out a month. He's got a foot problem. Uh, Tyrese Maxey has been absolutely off the charts great over the course of the last week, week and a half. You will assume that Joel Embiid is going to return to being the focal point uh, for that team. And they have... We talked about this going into the season. They have the requisite depth to be able to deal with injury. And I do not think 
this might sound crazy and you might not agree. I don't think their record without Harden is going to be any worse than their record with him would be or better for that matter. Like I think it actually could be better because you, you typically when a guy like that goes out, now all of a sudden you start playing together for the greater good. Maxi explodes, Joel Embiid. It's a lot like what they, you know, they were they're a really good team last year, even before the the Harden acquisition. And they've got a bunch of role-playing guys uh around. And I think there's like a clear pecking order with Maxi and 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 Maxi on the perimeter and Embiid. And those guys are going to be the ones that carry the water every night. And then you've got these different role players that are going to contribute on a regular basis. I actually think that um this is one situation where they're going to be able to withstand this injury uh, just fine. And I would not be surprised if they're able to win uh, quite a few games even without Harden. And then, and then the quest will be after he comes back and they've gotten used to playing this other way, integrating him back, reassessing those that pecking order. I mean, sure, as long as Joel Embiid looks like the Joel Embiid of last season, sure, I, w- I would agree with you then that they'll be fine. Um, but, I mean, we'll see like how much Embiid can sustain after his bit of a slower start. And I think with Harden also, just to put some numbers behind what you said, Chris, they've played 100 possessions this year with Embiid and Maxi on the floor without Harden. And they have a 109 offensive rating and a 130 defensive rating. I mean, you would expect that offense to be a bit better than it's been so far. You'd expect the defense to be a lot better right. than it has been early on, too. So that's a small sample, um, but I'm just stating that as their starting point right now. Um, but, but come on. I mean, the idea there would be like, oh, James Harden is helping them that much defensively. No, I mean, but that speaks to how underwhelming they've been on defense, period, like in total, right. regardless like whether it breeds out there or not. Right. I mean, it's going to be a challenge for them, man. Like Harden is their key playmaker. It's a, but more than anything else, to me, it's a big opportunity for Tyrese Maxey here to step up in a role and have an increased opportunity to not only run the show, um, but continue scoring the way he has with probably greater volume because we've shown we've seen Maxey go off. Like one of the, one of the pieces that didn't make it into my Mori feature that I did for the preseason was a conversation I had with Harden, a conversation I had with Max, like maybe I should use this for a thing next week, but like Harden talked about how him and Max, he spent a lot of time this offseason on changing pace, slowing down, reading the floor, and Harden remarked to me how he thinks, like as he's now aging into his 30s, that's the key like to your development is figuring out how to play at slower paces as you slow down physically. You know, Max, he's so fast, so speedy, that's the next step for him to think the game. So I think this is a real chance for Maxi, you know, over this next little while without Harden to tap into whatever it was that those guys worked on this offseason to try to make him more of a lead playmaker. So I'm excited in that sense because this could help promote Maxi's development and make it for the greater good of the Sixers in the long run. But I'm not totally there with you, Chris. I think this is going to be a major challenge considering the workload and and the the amount of responsibility Harden carried in running that offense, like we've all saw the dribble stats with how much he has the ball in his hands. He's the only real orchestrator on this team, so if they're going to have to fill that void, and Max is going to have to be a big part of it. Yeah, well, I mean, hold on now. Who was the orchestrator last year then? Well, it wasn't Ben Simmons. <laughs> 
And it wasn't James Harden. It's not well, it's just Harden in February. Yeah. Before I mean, that, half they, the season they, they had him. I mean, yeah, that's when Joel Embiid was still the MVP of the league before they acquired Harden. Well, I mean, last season if like I'll pull up their numbers for you. And they had a show. way worse roster than they do right now. Well, I mean, last year, just like well, we're talking Shake Milton's in the rotation last year. Seth Curry's in the rotation last year prior to that Harden deal. Of course, he went to Brooklyn in it. So, I mean, you get those two guys, Maxie handling the ball, and Bede getting more touches than he is now, running less pick and roll. So, it was like a group effort early on that season for the Sixers. And that's what I think it'll be now. And they probably can do it successfully. Your assist numbers start going up, and everybody starts playing. You know, it, that's what happens when guys are out. You got guys start playing together and you understand we got to have 25 plus assists tonight. We can't be playing one pass basketball. More than anything, though, they need Embiid to be back to the dominant guy. Like, no I, like his, his last handful of games were much better. He had the 40 point game and a loss. You know, he was good in his first game back against Chicago. Uh, but as long as they continue getting that version of Joel Embiid, the dominant force that we saw last year, they'll be okay. Yep. They just need that guy. On Wednesday night, because we have not spoken since then, did you watch that Cleveland-Boston game? That was a good one, huh? My God. To be in, within the first 10 games of the season, that was so high level. That felt like a, a playoff game. It really did. Yeah. So high level. You had these stars being stars. You had Mitchell having his plays. Garland, Garland. Like 29 and 12 with one eyeball. I mean, that's like a playoff. <laughs> it's like a playoff injury. God, did you see in that walk-off interview he did with Rose? His eye looked awful. <laughs> awful. It's a, he was like, I thought I was going to be out months. And he was like, after I saw the first one go in, I didn't worry about the eye anymore. He goes, I'm fine. Some of the shot making down the stretch of that game by Mitchell, oh. the, the, the drive by Horford, and then on the following possession, I believe it was, the step back against Jalen Brown with Brown like in his airspace, drilling that three to push the lead to four. Oh, my God. Like, no. what the hell? <laughs> Mitchell Mitchell has been unbelievable yeah, for the Cavs. And they are in second place behind only the Bucks. And I was reading uh, today that last season, when Darius Garland was on the floor, the Cavs scored 9.1 points per 100 possessions more than when he was on the bench which ranked in the 96th percentile in the league per cleaning the glass. Even more drastic, the Cavs played like a 58-win team when Garland was running last season compared to a 24-win team when he was resting. Mm. And you think about that. So they couldn't win anything if Darius Garland didn't play. Darius Garland had played virtually, I think, what was it, 13 minutes? Going into last night, and he came back and he had 29 and 12. I mean, they, they're still not even used to playing with each other yet. They're, they're going through this for like the first time. Their backcourt is devastating. You know, I was very, very, very high on the Cavs. One of my predictions is they were going to be a uh, home court advantage team. I loved that acquisition, uh, but it has worked in the absence of Garland. I mean, this is exactly what you bargained for. It's like, hey, does this help us when we lose somebody like Darius Garland when they were a terrible team without him on the floor last year and they have been an outstanding team without him and now they got him back last night and man 
that would make for a hell of a playoff series. Those teams have played twice, and both of them went to overtime. Great, great games. And meanwhile, Cleveland's for real, man. Yeah, they really they're, are. They're, they're they're for real, and like we talked about, I think what was a Tuesday show or last Friday, that they can, you know, if Okoro can be upgraded, right? If they can improve at the three, right, with a bit more scoring punch there while maintaining the defense, like, I mean, they're young. They're a young team. They 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 haven't taken their lumps in the playoffs. That's right. But they're, they get the pieces. They get the pieces. They're, uh, to your point, the game-winning shot, which was just back rimmer by Jalen Brown, who had had 30 in the game. I mean, he's being guarded by Dean Wade. Yeah. Wade's been really good for them. I mean, he's been a good player. Sometimes it's Wade. Sometimes it's Lavert, Acaro, who's been pretty scared to shoot. You know, if they just... Yeah, they just get themselves... Jetty Osmond, too, as well. They get themselves a like a a good three, like a solid three. Woo! I love seeing those teams kind of go with their playoff rotation in that game, too. I mean, they, both both teams pretty much played eight guys. I mean, ten guys played on each team. Uh, or nine guys played for the Celtics. Um, Cornette got three minutes. I just pulled up the box score. And 10 guys played for Cleveland. Okoro with eight minutes. Robin Lopez with five. But really, it was an yeah. eight-man rotation on each side. Like That was a, a playoff battle for those two teams. Great, great heavy, game. Heavy minutes. Not a lot of bench minutes. It, it, it could be a sign of things to come. I'd take seven of those, Chris. I would. And on the other side, I don't know if you've seen these numbers that have been coming out about the early season Celtics, but they are unbelievable. Uh in terms of the way they're playing now under Joe Missoula. So he had this quote the other night, I like math. And <laughs> and so everybody kind of took that and ran with it. But I was reading uh, John Schumann's article on NBA.com, and he had this stat, league-wide three-point rate, so that's the percentage of field goal attempts that are three-pointers, is actually down from last season, breaking a trend where the rate has increased for 11 straight seasons. Through Wednesday, teams had taken 38.6% of their shots from three, which was down from the all-time record last year of 39.9, so really 40% of the shots that teams took were three-pointers. But the three-point rate is up in Boston. The Celtics have taken 47% of their shots from beyond the arc, the highest rate in the league, and up from... Uh, they were eighth highest last year. The Celtics are led by Jason Tatum, who's averaging 30 points a game with a 43% of his field goal attempts, which is the highest rate of his career coming from three-point range. 47%? It's like old Rockets. It's wild, right? huh? They got it is. Joe Mazzulli. It, it really is. I mean, like where you'd see these games and they'd have, you know, 95 possessions and they will have taken 53s. And you're like, I believe, what? I believe that the high for Houston was 48 or 49%. I think it was maybe like 48.7%, something like that, during the 18-19 season. Wow. Yeah, so they're almost there. 47% of the Celtics. I mean, it's just drive and kick. Nutty. Drive and yeah. kick. Drive and kick. Drive and <laughs> over, kick. Over and over. Just, just spamming the drive and kick. Yeah. They really are. It's all drive and kick. And it's obviously been successful. And Tatum, that, look, the end of that game last night, he got fouled on uh, Jared Allen mm -hmm. blocking him on the, uh, the dunk. The dunk was just ferocious. Absolutely awesome to tie the game and send it to overtime. Well, actually, that didn't send it to overtime, but send it to overtime, 
was Tatum on the other end blocking Donovan Mitchell's three-point attempt at the buzzer to send that thing into overtime. Um, Tatum, is he's been gargantuan so far this year. Like, that's a guy that got a taste of the NBA Finals last year, fell short, has come back this year, and is even better. Even better. He, you know, these guys are never finished products, and you could tell that now with a little, maybe a little different game strategy that has benefited him some, but you see his intensity both on the offensive and defensive end. Special player, and certainly he's going to be there in that MVP race for a long, long time. It's very early in the season, but the, the signs are all there for a guy that came back with looking to prove something rather than resting on laurels. Sometimes you can, sometimes you can make, you know, your team can have a really deep run and then you come back and it's like you're a made man or something like that. Trey Young. Um, <laughs> and other times guys come back with the ferociousness too. <laughs> Not unfair, Trey. To who? To Trey, you said. No, I did? I said that? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it must have been a slip. Today's episode of The Mismatch is brought to you by Hulu Plus Live TV. Looking for a better way to watch live TV? Stream your favorite sports and shows over 95 live channels with Hulu Plus Live TV. Get access to Hulu's entire streaming library, Disney Plus and ESPN Plus, all in one plan. Start your free trial of Hulu Plus Live TV today. Live TV plan required. Restrictions apply. Offer valid for new and eligible returning subscribers only. Access content from each service separately. Learn more at Hulu.com. Today, Healthier is happening at CVS Health in more ways than you've ever seen. It's wellness destinations for seniors, including select locations with Oak Street Health and CVS Pharmacy. It's doctors, nurses, pharmacists, and everyone in between, offering quality care and support virtually, in person, and on the phone. It's in-home evaluations through Signify Health and meeting mental health needs through Aetna. And those are just a few of the ways Healthier is happening. To see more, visit cvshealth.com slash healthierhappenstogether. CVS Pharmacy, Oak Street Health, CVS Specialty, Signify Health, and Aetna are part of CVS Health. Eligibility and services vary by location and individual. We're still at nine players averaging 30 points or more per game right now. And that doesn't even include Lonnie Walker. <laughs> he's not there yet, but he's well on not, his way. On his way, yeah. Especially after Darvin last Darvin Ham has unlocked Lonnie Walker. And Russell Westbrook, sixth man of the year. And Matt Ryan, who saved him. Quarterback to sharpshooter for three. Oh, the, dude, the memes, everything were so good on the Matt Ryan versus the Pelicans game. They said they should start calling him Steph Courier, uh, the mailman. And he he's knocking down threes from the corner. A team with Russell Westbrook and Anthony Davis and LeBron James and all these guys. And it's like the headlines. Matt Ryan saves the, the Lakers season. <laughs> That's the NFL quarterback? <laughs> it really felt like that, too, you know? <laughs> I know. You see, you see his mean mug after the three? He looks very violent oh, after that. It was hilarious. Yes. <laughs> That's a great mean mug. Matt Ryan was there for it. They got a big win over the Pelicans. It looked like me when I win a game at Warzone. Yeah, I mean those those games those games really matter against the Pelicans because of the the traffic angle to that. Oh, that was a huge game, yeah. But I will say this: Westbrook has gone to the bench and has been good. He's been way better. Yeah, putting in effort on defense, playmake first. I mean. I think we were all a little dubious 
in the idea that he'd be able to change, but so far, so good on the six-man thing. Maybe that shot he took at the end of the Blazers game when he everybody's like, no, and he bricks it, and everybody's mad at him. I, you know, I rip him on the ringer. Everybody's ripping Russ. He has the DNP the next game against Denver. Been on the, coming off the bench since. Maybe that was rock bottom for Russ. Maybe that was it. And ever since then, he's accepted, embraced the role off the bench, been making be- better decisions. It's not like he has this elite scoring efficiency coming off the bench, but he has been way better focusing on playmaking. Um, you know, it's at least encouraging. And Darvin Ham has already beaten the drum for sixth man of the year, Russell Westbrook, which is kind of cool. Like I, like, I appreciate that. I think Darvin Ham, you know, you got to respect the fact that he gets hired this summer. He's talking openly uh, to Dan Patrick about all the things Russ needs to do and all of the ways Russ needs to change. He puts Russ coming off the bench and he's still supporting him. Matt Ryan gets uh, an opportunity at the end of the game. Granted, he was the third option on the play, they said, after the game, but he's out there with the opportunity to score. Darvin Ham, it's like he's making these calls that he feels are for the best of the team. And you can kind of see the Lakers, granted, they're still not good. They're still 2-5. and five. They barely snuck past the Pelicans team that was out without Brandon Ingham, Ingram, their best scorer, without Herb Jones, their best defender. They still have problems. LeBron James, sick, hurt. AD still dealing with a back injury, which you know seems to be on and off for him. They still have issues, but Darvin Ham's trying to make what he make it work the way he can. Troy Brown looks good in that rotation. Lonnie Walker's been empowered, so there's at least some positive signs for the Lakers despite their dismal start to the season. Well, just seeing their locker room after Darvin Ham got that first win made me oh, think differently. Fired up, yeah. It made me think differently. Like they, I think they really they really like that guy. They do like him. You know what I mean? And that's a that's not an easy job, not an easy job that he took. I think everything we've heard about Darvin Ham for years is that he's a, a great coach, respected players love him, and he's a great basketball mind. So it's it's like it's about the it's the no good coach can succeed without the right personnel. Well, and he was so that's the what la- he's figuring out. He was the last of that Budenholzer Atlanta uh, coaching staff of, of the group. It was Quinn Snyder. Good. Kenny Atkinson, good. Taylor Jenkins, good. Darvin Ham. Darvin was the last one of the five. That staff is incredible. That's like the 60-win yeah. Atlanta Hawks team. But, I mean, all those guys have become head coaches. And if Darvin Ham's not good, he'll be the only one. Because the Budenholzer guys, um, have, you've, you've, done, you've done right betting on them. And I think the Budenholzer... He's, you know, he's big on that whole Spurs thing, creating the culture, creating get high character guys, all this kind of stuff. And, you know, obviously, Darvin Ham was dealt the hand he was dealt, and with getting that Lakers job, um, but they clearly liked the guy. No way around that. Whether they and, and could you imagine them ever? I mean, they were throwing tomatoes at. Frank Vogel last year. <laughs> They're dumping this guy with Gatorade. They're throwing tomatoes at Frank Vogel. <laughs> uh, Lon- Lonnie Walker looks damn good right now, man. Doesn't he? Yeah, man. He's taking a ton of shots, too. Yeah, he see, is. The, see those FGAs? Well, somebody's got to be shooting. I know. 
Did we talk about Miles Turner on Morgan's Pod on Tuesday? We did, right? Yeah, we talked. I mean, about I mean that, that's still on my. I I interviewed some Pacers players today for a thing coming out next week, so it was just on my mind. Did you ask him? I did ask. Yeah, they said it wasn't. They said it's not a big deal. He's been in trade rumors for oh. for years. It's like nothing for us. We're we're over it. Speaking of your writing, you got something coming out about the Pelicans. Yeah, I, it was last week when they were in LA from Saturday till Thursday morning today, and um, just interviewed a whole bunch of people around the organization. Zion included one on one, CJ McCollum, other players, Willie Green, their head coach, and writing a story just about kind of taking the temperature of the team, how they got here, where they are today, and where they could be going. Because I think with New Orleans, we saw this last night, Chris. Like it's both, a, it's a good thing that they're competitive on the road at the end of a long road trip without Ingram without Herb Jones. But at the same time, like you can still see they're a young team. Dyson Daniels ended that game. He was great. Really good all game long. But then he misses the two free throws that would have iced the game. Trey Murphy on the Matt Ryan three, you know, is for whatever reason protecting the paint when he sags off of Matt Ryan. How much of that is Murphy's fault versus Willie Green with a lack of preparation? I'm perplexed why Jose Alvarado wasn't in there to end regulation or at all in overtime, which, you know, kind of a baffling decision I felt by Willie Green there. So we're still seeing this team is young, man. Like we talked about it before the season, how I feel about their upside. The way I'd put it is I don't think it's crazy to think that they can be a contender this year, but I do think it's crazy to say that they, they absolutely will be a contender considering all these warts and young issue teams that young issues tend to have. So, I mean, I think it was all put on display last night. All the good and some of the concern right now. Yeah, and there's, uh, I think uh, there's been some stuff written recently and those that have watched that have had some level of concern on the Zion defense. Michael Pena, right? Zion has not been good. But I also think he's been a little better that he was last year, but he's still not good. He's it's like a very low bar. I think the idea is you want him to be a force. A force defensively. He's, I think we could fairly say he's not a force. No, he's not. Yeah, I mean, the but, bar is but, very, very low. But neither, is like, <laughs> neither is like John Morant. So there's a lot right. of guys who aren't He's gotten way better this year. Morant's gotten way better. No doubt he has, for sure. And I think yeah. that's where, like, I think I asked Zion about his defense too. And, and I was like, well, what do you need to get better at? And he's, you know, he kind of slow to slow, slow to answer. I'm like, well, a lot of people would say your defense. He's like, yeah, I feel like I'm getting better at defense, though. And I, and I would agree. I do think he's been better. Yeah, it's just, he, he, he's still a bad defender, though. It's just the bar was like on the floor. He did not need to get much better to be better than bad. He's still yeah. bad. Right. That article really like put into like Michael Pina's article really did put into, you know, he did a good job outlining all the stuff that's gone wrong with him in recent years on defense. And it's been bad. The lazy closeouts, lack of awareness, inability to stop the ball when he's out on the perimeter. Like, it's been a lot of problems for Zion. I just hope he can keep building um, with the little bit of progress he has made this year. A couple other things to mention. Uh, the Raptors got that 43-point win since we last spoke. Siakam's tear continues, and they are feeling it. And some of their quotes are, uh, OG Ananobi's getting some love recently, and OG said... Uh, I've always felt like I was the best defender in the league. He's talking about, I mean, we've got our first defensive player of the year campaign beginning, I feel <laughs> like. We're like eight, seven, eight games into the season, Kevin. And we've got a, hey, let's throw this name into the hat. 
OG Ananobi, like very early in the season, we're getting the, I felt like I was the best defender. Uh, I feel like I've been the best defender in the league. And we also got Scotty, Scotty Barnes stepping up with no Fred Van Vliet out there running point for them. The Raptors just have a way just to plug guys into roles, score 143 and 139 in consecutive games, man. Dominant defense, OG, dominant offense led by Scotty Barnes and Pascal Siakam. Yep. They're crazy, man. Like, their amount of length on defense, their switchability. They're fun, too. They're, they're fun, yes. Anybody that could drop 140 on your ass is fun to watch. That's yeah. for sure. Speaking of fun to watch, the Wemby game. Are you still doing commentary? Yep, going on with Kevin Dana on uh, Friday at 12.30 Pacific, 3.30 Eastern on the, N- on the NBA app. Yeah, so hopefully people will hear this prior to uh, on Friday. And you can hear this and then just either you can, I guess you can't set a DVR or anything, right? No. You got to go to the app. Go to the app. Yep. Go to the N- N- NBA app. I think, I think you can also watch it on the NBA, like on desktop too. But um, yeah, we'll be going live at 1230 Pacific and calling the whole Wemby game and focusing on him. I mean, we'll have like, you know, Kevin will have some commentary on what's happening with the other, other players, but we're focusing on Wemby. Awesome. And as we close this out, I will tell you, Kevin, this is the first time we've ever done this. It's live to tape on a broadcast. The Warriors are down by one to the Magic with four seconds left to go, and they are inbounding the ball. So I will let you know what happens. What a monster win this would be for the very young Orlando Magic. Curry just passed it off to Clay Thompson. Thompson took a runner from the baseline at the buzzer and missed it. Break wow. up the Magic. Wow. Break up wow. the magic. We we missed that game, Chris. <laughs> Break up the magic. Uh, oh, my God. What a force of nature they are. Wow. Okay, I, I got to pull out the box score because we haven't seen this at all. I have not seen a minute of this game. Suggs had Jay- 26. Jalen Suggs, yo, 26. 26 to 9. Ben so, Caro with 22, 8 and 3. How about Chuma Okiki, one of my old faves from the draft, sixteen and nine off the bench. Wagner, your guy, Chris, your your favorite player, potential top twenty player in the NBA, nineteen points. Look at the magic go with all their length. Franz Wagner shooting nineteen percent from three, by the way. Big Carroll <laughs> with twenty two and eight. Wow. Bo Bamba with five minutes off the bench. Bo Bo dominant once again. Not Minus right. 11, Bull Bull. <laughs> Watching Bull Bull versus Poku earlier this week was heaven. Just absolute heaven. Oh, yeah. Wasn't that beautiful? Oh, it was, beautiful. It, it was like a dream. Poku's been pretty good. Oh, the Warriors have been some ass so far yeah. this season. What are they, three and six now? Yeah, they are. Golly. And it's not like they just gotten beat by a, a who's who. Right? I mean, they, well, I guess eh, they lost to Denver, got smoked by Phoenix. They, they, they lost to Charlotte, Detroit, and Orlando on this trip. I think, it's, I think it's time to end the James Wiseman experiment. Start playing Jonathan Kaminga. And Jermichael Green also has not been great for them either. But start playing Jonathan Kaminga more. Start playing Moses Moody more. Hell, play Patrick Baldwin Jr. a little bit. Hey, and they play New Orleans at New Orleans tomorrow night, and the reports are that Ingram's back. Yes, and Herb Jones should be back too. 
what a disastrous road trip this I is. Know. Uh, lose at Charlotte, lose by 14 at Detroit, lose by seven at Miami, who had been struggling, lose to Orlando tonight, and then maybe lose to the Pelicans. Whoa. Whoa. An 0-5 road trip? Yikes. I mean... We did not see this game, but it, but just looking basically at the numbers here seems to be some of the continued trends that have been apparent in all the Warriors game that their starters have been amazing. The bench continues to be an issue. Wiseman has been a big nothing, man. He looks like young JaVale McGee out there, not even the veteran JaVale McGee that we've seen contribute on winning teams. He looks like young JaVale. I think you got to start playing Kaminga. You got to start playing Moody more. And I, and I say it like half serious, but actually mostly serious. Patrick Baldwin looked pretty good. Like with the chances he got in preseason, he looked pretty good. I, I'd i just be curious to throw out, you know, six foot 10 sharpshooter, you know, I mean, who was a top high school recruit. Give him a chance. Wiseman has not been good, man. I get it's it. Not, He's been terrible. But I mean, you got to, this is his, I mean, first time playing in a long time. You drafted him. What, number two? He has no feel, man. Number he can't two read in the, the floor. draft? He's got lead feet on defense. He's just well, not So good. what's the answer? Just abandon him? No, I mean, you throw him in the G League. Oh, wow. Let him play, let him play 35 minutes a night. I'm serious. Like, I, I, that, like, what do you have a G League team for if not for development? If Wiseman can go to the G League and play 30 minutes every single night and let him dominate, let him grow on defense... Let him just grow and get experience rather than these, you know, critical minutes coming off the Warriors bench. To me, I, I think it's backward. They should be playing some of these other guys. And if those guys also can't play, well, then you got to make a trade. You remember this happened a couple of years ago when they had like, you know, remember the, the Kelly Oubre version of the team and they had thrown these guys together and it was like, all right, it, these are not guys that can like, read and react and play like this is the way we play within the Warriors. There is more that is required of a Warriors player than some other teams. And especially with the way they play with each other and kind of who the best players are and kind of what you are as a role player on that team. And so what they do, they went and got like veterans. They went and got veterans. And they installed those guys. And it was like, all right, now we've got some adults that could just come in here. So the auto porters of the world, that you know, these kind of guys, they're able to plug in as like veteran players that know how to play and can function within the system. Every, they did this with, remember, either guys that had not been a part of that before or young players. And it has not been an easy integration for those players. A lot of teams, it's more simple for the young player to come in and adapt. Because if you're if you're Wiseman, I mean, honestly, he's playing on most other teams. You're just doing the, you're just running pick and rolls with him when he's out there. Yeah, I you got to go over and over and over. Yeah, the problem is defense, though. It's like like defensively, he just can't play. Well, the weird thing is, he's got this condor esque wingspan. He's bigger than hell. You know, we saw him at Summer League. I watched him with Rosillo against the uh against the Spurs in that Summer League game, and I'm like, God, 
just was dwarfing people. Yeah, big and can't move. That's the problem. Not mobile enough. It's weird because he does. It's like he's got this massive wingspan and this height, but he doesn't use it to his benefit on the defensive end. Yeah, you know, I used to scream and yell about this all the time when back in the day with the with the beat, and I'm like, look, the guy stinks, but he's seven foot six or whatever the hell he is. Just put your hands above your head. If he just stood in the paint with his arms above his head. He would do something. The ball's going to hit him. <laughs> he's taller than everybody. Or he's going to block some shots. Just stand there with your arms all the way up in the air as long as you can. And you're going to do more than you're doing. <laughs> By the way, I, I just watched the last play. Terrible. What the hell was that? Terrible. <laughs> something wrong happened the there. The Clay Thompson runner. Oh, my God. What was that? You get... Ty Jerome and Clay Thompson sprinted to the same corner. Something was wrong in the play there. Yeah. They should have just let Steph shoot it from 35 feet away. Pretty good defense by Orlando using their length. I mean, you can see the pressure they put on Steph trapping him. And then Wendell Carter, a great closeout on Clay. And then Ben Carroll coming in with another good contest. Like Orlando's got some length, man. They do. You think? Yeah, it's crazy. They're, They're a lot of fun to watch this year, even though they stink. (laughs) <laughs> that that game against Oklahoma City was the freakiest thing ever. Their yeah. start their starting lineup because they were out of the guards. They started Terrence Ross who's six six. Yeah, and then it was <laughs> Fran Carter, Franz Bancaro, right? Yes, everybody was over six <laughs> ten, and and Oklahoma City didn't start anybody over six eight. Uh, that's nuts. It was crazy. So who was their tallest guy? Was it uh, Kendrick Williams? I think. No, Kendrick uh, or, or Robinson Earl? Was it maybe? Or maybe Jalen. I don't know. Whoever is the tallest, Jalen Williams. Josh Giddy might have been the tallest. I, no, Giddy wasn't playing. He's been out. Uh, Giddy right? played that night. Giddy played oh, he uh, did? at Orlando. Yeah, he did. Okay, he missed. The, he missed the next one, or maybe that's the one he got injured. Um, let's see. Yeah, he. he I think that's the game he was out. Yes. Yeah, either Williams, Giddy, or Dort. Whoever's the tall or Robinson Earl, yeah, I guess. Dorse not the tallest. So Robinson Earl, Poku though, man, <laughs> he's he's had some good nights, Dude. including against Orlando. I know the numbers aren't good, but he's had some good moments. No, he hit the huge three. <laughs> hey, he did look. You watch that game or any other game for that matter. This Gilgis Alexander's out of his mind. He's nuts, man. My God, is he awesome? <laughs> Awesome. I'm glad on this show, Chris, we get to talk about any team we want to because SGA, what he's done this year is absolutely remarkable. It has been for a couple of years now with OKC. Ever since that deal happened, he's gotten better every single year. And this year, it's all clicking. Like, he's taken the leap. Yo, I think he's like fourth in PER. It's like Luka, Giannis, Morant, Gilgis Alexander. And that's despite playing <laughs> on a, a team that's not good. Like he, like these aren't just empty numbers. These are these are numbers that could translate to the best teams in basketball. Like he looks like a guy ready to win. He is awesome. His ability to get to the basket. He is awesome. I love watching him slither in the lane uh, and just fluidly change directions, and then like hit these left foot, left hand layups, leaning past rim protectors. Off the glass, like it, like the stuff he does just blows my mind. It's a lot of fun to watch. He's gone to where you can watch their game, and he very well, no matter who they're playing, 
can be the best player on the floor. Yeah, it's just about everything else that needs to get better around him. Yeah. Well, and the sometimes you feel like he's better even with Giddy not out there. Because Giddy's got to have the ball. Giddy Giddy can't space yet. He can't shoot. Mm -hmm. He can't shoot. And so he's got to He's got to have the ball to be able to be, right, successful. He's either got to drive it or he's got to move it to someone else, but he's not shooting it. You know, so they got to figure that one out. Uh, but, yeah, they've been – and I, I I couldn't help the other night watching that game against Orlando. I was like, man, I resent the Chet injury so much. I'd give anything if Chet was out there against these guys. I know. It's too bad. But next year, maybe they'll have Wemby and Chet. Well, I'm going to watch Wemby tomorrow. You said 2.30 Central, 3.30 Eastern, right? Yes, sir. All right. Who are they playing? You don't know? <laughs> you're, just, you're just commenting on Wemby Cam? Yeah, it's all, it's all Wemby. Like, what if they don't even show the other nine players on the floor? <laughs> it's a close you know I mean? cam on Wemby. I hope, it looks, I, hope, I, I hope it looks like it did the other night with, uh, tell me you saw the Taco Fall highlights. In China? No, I did not see oh that. Oh, my no. God. All right. You and everyone else, please do yourselves a favor and go type in Taco Fall in China. It lo- It's Chamberlain. He's Euro-stepping and dunking. It looks like the old Wilt Chamberlain highlights with a bunch of like 5'8 guys out on the floor. It's unbelievable. Unbelievable. Taco is killing it in China. He's killing it. It's the best. So, yeah, Taco Falls there. He went to China and he turned into Wilt Chamberlain. I'll have to watch those. Yeah, it's the best. It's great. All right, Kevin, it is always a pleasure. Thank you to our executive producer, Jesse Lopez, as always. And, Kev, I'll talk to you next week. I can't wait. Have a good one, everybody. 